Ephesians chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. I love congregational singing. I, I, I feel like that when we sing together congregationally, we get a little bit of taste of what heaven is going to be like when we gather around that throne there. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that I'll be able to finish this series next week. My plans are to do that um, with a message on spiritual warfare. And then Paul just had a few more closing remarks to say after that that, that don't warrant a whole, lot of, of, uh, a whole lot of comment. But the one next week on spiritual warfare I think is an important one. And my, I'm, my only question right now is whether I'm going to be able to cover it in one message or not. I don't, I don't want to um, not cover it adequately, but I don't want to get bogged down in it either. But um, w- the first three chapters of Ephesians, I'm ashamed at how little I have preached that in 26 years of ministry. I really am, and, and never really thought about how little I had preached that until I started studying it out and began to present it to you. Those first three chapters deal with our position in Christ. They're doctrinal in nature. There's not anything really in those first three chapters that give us a great deal of instruction. It, in fact, it just tells us that this is what God has done for you in Christ and this is who you are in Christ because of what God has done for you so it's very um, positional doctrinal teaching those last three chapters is where I've spent most of my ministry Um, and and I don't I think sometimes that's just kind of getting the cart before um, the horse so to speak and that we need to know who we are and then the motivation for us doing is come comes out of who we are and those last three chapters um, start with that theme. Um, Paul said that you ought to walk worthy of the vocation that you've been called into. And um, for those, these last three chapters, it's just practical, directional. This is how you walk in a way that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ in your life every day. Um, and we've, we spent a couple of weeks talking about the whole idea of walking in submission. Um, walking in submission to the will of God and then walking in submission to the will of God in um, relation to our relationships with each other, that we submit ourselves to one another um, in the fear of God as we submit ourselves to um, the will of God. And, and we've looked at the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives, of children and parents, and um, of fathers and children. There was a special note in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 last week about um, how important a father's role is in his children's life. But listen to me, I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of the weakness of our influence and culture, and when I say our influence, I mean the church. And let's just be honest, we, are, we, have, we have lost our influence on our culture. Um, there, was a, there was a time um, that the church impacted the world in America. We have, we have lost most of that influence. Um, we're not making a difference. And one of the reasons I believe we're not making a difference is because we're failing to apply these simple principles of God's Word that stand us out, that separate us that distinguish us. When we walk worthy of the vocation that we've been called into, we will have an influence on the world that's around us. 
That's what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so these principles, we talk about them. And I know, I know sometimes we want to get in here and talk about what we feel or talk about what's important to us or talk about this or talk about that. But I'm, I'm telling you that we need to be who he has called us to be. And a lot of this other stuff that we fret about and trivialize will take care of itself when we step up to the plate and begin to walk the way that he has taught us to walk, live the way that he's taught us to live. Uh, and, and I think for me, I don't, I don't preach through a book very often, but, but I have come to realize in preaching through this on Sunday morning. A lot of guys just preach through a book because they think, some of them will say, well, that's the only way you're supposed to preach, and some will say, that's the easiest way for me to get a sermon together. Well, that, I don't think either one of those is necessarily true, but... One of the benefits, I think, of preaching through a book is that we have to talk about what the text presents, whether we like it or not. Um, I'm not picking and choosing pet peeve messages, or I'm not picking and choosing my favorite doctrines that I want to harp on. Um, we just take what the text brings to us, and we, and we relate what that text means to us. And, 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 and when we do that, I think that's a recipe for our own spiritual growth. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I've sat down with a few of these texts and I thought, okay, Lord, I don't even want to work through that. I, I just don't even want to try to work through that. Can, I'm just going to stop right here. <laughs> I'm not going to preach any further because I don't want to talk about that and I don't want to do that and I don't, know that, that I don't know where that applies. And it may not apply in my life, but it may apply in yours. And when we force ourselves through these texts, um, I think that there's a, there's a recipe for our own spiritual growth there. And when we grow spiritually, we have a greater influence on those that are around us to see uh, as they see the work of Christ in us. And that's our primary purpose. Your primary purpose and my primary purpose in this world today is to make Jesus known. You say, people already know Jesus. No, they don't. They know about Him. They don't know Him. And they'll come to know Him when they see Him in you and in me. And so our primary purpose is to make Christ known. And we can do that in our home, and we can do that in the world that we live in, in and work in every day. Which brings us to our text today. And again, this is not one that I would just come pick out any time and preach, but it's in line, so we're going to preach it. <laughs> in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 5, Paul gives this instruction. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters do the same things unto them, Forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. So this, in this text, Paul is addressing the relation. He's been talking about relationships and the submission to one another in these relationships. And he began in the home, but now he's moving outside of the home into the secular world, into the workplace. And specifically, he's using some terminology like servants and masters or slaves and masters. And in, and in those days in the Roman Empire, you were either a free man 
um, or you were a slave. There were basically just two classes of people. You were either free or you served as a slave and a, or a servant to another man. And slavery could come about in any number of ways. You could be born into it. You could, your parents could have been slaves and you were born and so you immediately became the property of that, of that, of that master that your parents served. Um, you, you could have been conquered by another nation and forced into slavery or part even of the rules of the Old Testament was that if you owed a debt and you couldn't pay that you could indenture yourself to that person um, as a payment for, for your debt. And so, but in, in the context that we're looking at this passage of Scripture today, we're not slaves and masters. We, we, we've not been forced into slavery. We've not been born into slavery. Um, we're not even sold into slavery to, to satisfy debts, so to speak. So for us today, Paul's teaching has more of a bearing on our role as an employee and employer. Um, somebody that works for another person, somebody that's over another person at work. And so the title of the message today is On the Job for Jesus. On the Job for Jesus. We are called, as part of our walking worthy, to live our life for Jesus outside of the church, outside of the home, and in the world that we live and work in. And, and the first thing Paul talked about was the responsibility of a Christian servant or a Christian employee, if you will. And here is the basic instruction that he gave to an employee. Be obedient to your master. Be obedient to your employer. Be obedient to your boss man. Now, I don't have to t I don't, we don't have to spend a long time right here. What does he mean? He means do what you're told to do. He, he means do what you have been hired to do. He means do what you are being paid to do. Now, we're not slaves. We're not slaves. So, so we have, there are two other options. And, 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 and you, well, I would say there's one other option. <laughs> you have an option of finding another job if you don't want to do what your, employee is telling you, or your employer is telling you to do. All right, That's the only option. Um, being a Christian slacker at work is not an option. It's not, it, it, it's not something that you can say, I don't like what he told me to do, so I'm not going to do it. Or, I don't like what he told me to do, and I'm not going to do the kind of job that he wants me to do. That's not an option for the Christian. Paul, he, he started right out of the gate and said, do what you have been instructed to do, what you're being paid to do, what you were hired to do. Now, I know that chaps our lips a little bit. Mine's chapped anyway. But um, it, it, Paul didn't stop there. He didn't just talk about doing what you're supposed to do. He talked about doing it with the right kind of attitudes. And you, I'm going to just give you the list, just like he gave them, all right? He said when you do that kind of obedience to your um, employers, to your boss man, you do it with fear. The Greek word is phobos. We've already talked about that one time. Um, it, can go, it can mean anywhere from being terrified of to adoration of or veneration of. And I think in this context and in the context even of when we talked about it before with the women and their husbands, that there is a respect 
for the position of those that gave you the orders to do what you've been called to do. You are to respect the man that handed you that order on the basis of his position or his authority. You do it with trembling. That's the Greek word traumos, which means a fearful sense of duty. It literally implies that you're not really sure that you can do what's been asked of you, but you're going to do your very best to do the best that you can do. A fearful sense of trembling. And singleness of heart means that you do it out of sincerity. That you serve them generously, not begrudgingly. Now, I'm a, that, that gets in our business a little bit. Um, even, when we, even when we want, even when we're doing a job with fear and trembling, when you talk about doing it sincerely, generously, not begrudgingly, that becomes a little bit harder for us sometimes to fight against because we're asked to do things sometimes maybe that we don't think necessarily should be our job or that we're not very good at. But he said do it in singleness of heart. It just simply means in sincerity of heart, do the best job that you can do and don't do it begrudgingly. Give it your best effort. Not with eye service. That means not just doing it when you're being watched but doing it consistently, even and especially when you're not being watched. Um, again, I remember when I used to buy groceries as a 16-year-old. Now, we looked for ways to goof off. I'm just going to be honest. I wasn't walking worthy in the job. We were looking for ways to get off of those cash registers and get in the back where we could goof off somewhere. Um, there's a, a brother. He's a member at Haywood Baptist, I think. Now, Bill Bryson he used to be a supervisor uh, for the Jones Company. And, and son, when, the word, when word got out that Bill Bryson was in the parking lot, everybody took on a different personality in the store. Everybody was working hard. That's, that's, that's serving with eye service. Um, as soon as he left the store, we went right back slacking again. And so the Bible says that you don't, that's not the way God's called us to serve as employers. We're called to serve consistently. When we're being watched and when we're not being watched, we can be trusted to do the job um, that we've been told to do with consistency. And then he says this, as unto Christ. In fact, if you look through that, what we just read, Paul says three times to the Christian employee that you're to do what you do as unto Christ. One time he said as servants of Christ. And another time he said as to the Lord. Do you understand? This is a big deal in the Apostle Paul's eyes. He said, when you are working on the job, you ought to be working like you're working for Jesus. Because those that are on the job, if they know that you are a child of God, if they know that you're a Christian, you are a representative of Jesus. And so he said, do what you do as you are doing it unto the Lord. Not necessarily for this business or for this boss man. Um, or, or for your paycheck, or for anything else, but do it as you are doing it unto the Lord. You are making a mark where you are um, by the way that you present yourself on the job. Now, he went on to suggest three reasons to serve that way. And the first was very simple, doing the will of God. Let me t can I tell you that it is the will of God for you to be the best servant employee you can be. That's what Paul said, that, 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 you, that you do this as unto Christ, that you do this because this is the will 
of God and you ought to do the will of God from your heart. The will of God is for you to be a good, godly, Christian employee. If your boss man, if your employer knows that you claim to be a Christian, then your work ethic is either going to hinder your witness or it's going to help your witness. Do you hear me? If, if they know that you profess to be a Christian, then your witness at work is either going to be good or bad. It's either going to hinder what you're trying to do to make Christ known or it's going to help what you're trying to do to make Christ known. The second reason that he gave is with, is with goodwill doing service. With goodwill doing service. What does that mean? It means to do a good job so that the business that you're employed by will succeed because of it. That you have in your heart the best interest of your boss man's business in mind. Now we can stay right here for a while. This is what I want to tell people that are especially in the service industry. Because y'all have had bad service. I done told y'all about my blood pressure issues at Crystal's not too many weeks ago. It don't take 15 minutes to heat up a Crystal hamburger. I'm sorry. But here, here's, here's the business behind you doing your best for your boss man's benefit. If you fail, they fail. And if they fail, you fail. You all tied together there. And this is why I want to I just go into some of those food service establishments. Are you glad that you got a job? And some of them might say, yeah, and I'm like, you don't act like you're glad you got a job. But if you keep doing your job poorly, you're going to put this man out of business. Now, my dad owned a convenience store for years that had a deli in it. And he had some good employees and he had some bad employees. And it don't take but one or two bad employees before the reputation of a business can be seriously harmed. That doesn't just affect the people that got the bad service. It affects the bottom line of the boss man, and it affects, ultimately, the people that are trying to do the good job at the business. It affects their livelihood in the long run, too. So Paul said, do what you do, because it's the will of God that you do a good job, and do what you do with goodwill doing service so that that business that you're employed by will find success because you have done what God has called you to do. Um, if you fail, they fail. And if they fail, you'll be looking for another livelihood, and it may not be as good as the one that you already have. And then the last reason that he gave there is that this, the same shall receive of the Lord. If you have done what God has called you to do, and if you have with goodwill served your employer, then God will give good to those who have done good. God will honor those who have honored Him on the job. Do you believe that? I believe that God will honor you when you honor Him on the job. Now that, that, that can happen a few different ways. It may, be simple, it may be simply in the fact that your boss man or your employer says, I see the work that you do. I trust you. You have been good for me. You've been good for my business. And I want to be good to you. 
And that's that reciprocation that God has caused your work ethic to be seen. And now your boss man says, and I want to reward that work ethic. And you might say, I don't have that kind of boss man. Well, you do. And, and if your reward don't come on this side, it, it comes anyway because the Bible said God will honor that. God will do good to, the, to those who have been good. So whether it's a secular promotion or a heavenly reward, both of those are, are worthwhile investments. Both of them are worthwhile investments. That's the reason he has called us to be good servants, to be good employees on the job. Now, he didn't leave out. He, he, he did have one verse there for the Christian master or the Christian employer. And, and this is the, that last verse is just full of instruction to them. And if you look at what he started with, he said, do the same things unto them. In other words, I've just given instruction to your employees about how they ought to treat you. And he basically says, treat them the same way that you want them to treat you. And you can boil all that down into one word. Just treat them with respect. If you have people under you, you may not be the owner of the company, you may be a supervisor at the company. Um, I, you, you know this, I know this, we've all worked in this kind of, we've all worked in fields before we've had people over us. When you had a boss man that showed you respect, that valued you, that appreciated you, it made you want to work harder for them than one that would not show you any respect. And so um, Paul is speaking to now not the Christian employees, but Christian employers or Christian boss men. And, said, and he said, treat the people that are under you with the same kind of respect that you want them to give to you. He told, he told them to forbear threatening. Don't use threats as an intimidation technique to push them into greater service. It doesn't work. And a lot of times what it will do is just drive a wedge deeper in your relationship with them, make them want to do less than they're already doing. The third thing he says is that you better know that your master is also in heaven. You've got somebody over you as well. And, and you know, the Bible makes it very clear that if you're not merciful, you won't receive mercy. Um, if, if you're, if you're, if you're um, judgmental, you're, if you judge harshly, you're, you're going to be judged harshly. And so Paul just reminded them, as you've got a master in heaven, and you're going to give an account to him about how you represented him uh, in your position. And then the fourth thing he said is that there's no respect of persons with him. At the end of the day... In the, in the economy of God and in the eyes of God, the boss man is not more important than the servant. They're just laboring together for a purpose. Especially when you're talking about a Christian boss man and a Christian employee. You're not more valuable in the economy or eyes of God. And neither one of you are. There's no respecter of persons with him. That's the reason he calls for the mutual respect between both parties. So what Paul has outlined for us is what it looks like when we're on the job for Jesus. This is what it looks like when you are serving Jesus outside of the church in the secular world as an employee or as an employer. Now there are a couple of corporations today 
that have caught the attention of the world because they're applying biblical principles in this regard. Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A um, have caught the attention of the world because their business model revolves around this whole concept of walking worthy in the workplace as both the employer and the employee. And, and, and they're modeling that work ethic. And it's working for them. It's working for them. I mean, I love all the Chick-fil-A jokes. I ain't a big Chick-fil-A fan as far as the food is concerned. <laughs> It'd be the last place on my list if you asked me to pick, all right? But I love what they do, and I love how they serve. It's a, it's a pleasure to go through there. They're very efficient. They're very effective. They're very customer-minded. They, they do what they do with the kind of attitudes that the Scripture tells them to do that with. And they're, they're compensated better than most other fast food restaurants, and rightfully so. Um, they're modeling these ethics for the world to see, and it's working for them because the principles of God, listen to me, are true. They're beneficial. They make a difference where you apply them. And that's what he's calling us to do in taking this passage of Scripture and applying it to our own lives. We can be a witness at work. This is the bottom line. I'm done. We can be a witness at work, and the reality is, is that we are a witness at work. And the question is whether we're a good one or a bad one. Because if they know that you're a Christian, you're presenting some kind of testimony for them to read. You, you understand that? Whether you own a business, whether you're working for a business, um, you, can, you are either being a good one or a bad one. And so here's my challenge to you, is don't compartmentalize your faith and lock it out of your work life. Let your light shine on the job for Jesus. Flesh it out every day in your relationships with your coworkers. Flesh it out every day in your relationship with your boss. Um, at the end of the day, I believe they ought to know that Jesus makes a difference in how you do your job and why you want to do your job well. You understand? At the end of the day, I think they ought to identify you as a child of God who can be trusted and counted on to be dependable, loyal, um, not taking advantage, but, but, but serving as unto the Lord. I'm going to say one more thing in a minute, but listen, I've, um, <clears throat> pool season fitting to start again. I don't know how many more years of pool building I got in me, but I do enjoy the work. I enjoy working. I've always enjoyed doing something with my hands, building a pool for me. In some, in some regards, ministry, you can, you can wait a long time to see ministry results. So I like to build something and walk away from it. And uh, generally when Michelle sells a pool, she says, that's my pastor that's going to be building. And I think she tells them that so they won't be cussing around me. <laughs> uh, she wants them to show me respect, and I appreciate that. I don't mind her telling people that at all. And, and sometimes it works and sometimes it don't. <laughs> but I know... I know when I pull up on that job, number one, I'm a representative of Taylor Pools. They're my friends. They're our church members. I want to represent them well. Number two, 
I'm also a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been identified as a pastor. And, and, and so when I go up to that job, my intention is I'm going to give you the best that I can do. Now, I ain't a, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to give you everything I got to give you everything that you paid for. So that when I walk away from there, you're satisfied with me and I'm satisfied with what I've done for you and before the Lord. And, um, and listen, I've gone, we've gone way above and beyond what we needed to do sometimes and giving people more than they needed to receive, but we did it. And, and uh, you know, we took a pool down and put it back up last year for some folks um, for free just because they told us to, they, we put it in the wrong spot. We built it on top of a drain field that they didn't tell us was there, and it kept caving in. That was a freebie. We made no money off of that. Um, but those folks are satisfied. And she, she, she talked about when we were through with that, I know that you're a man of God. And you told me that you were going to do this, and you did it, and you kept your word. And, and that made a difference in her. I remember an old farmer up here in Axon. I won't call his name. He's a pretty big farmer. He wasn't in favor of no pool. Um, but his wife was. And he watched us. He, we don't very seldom get an audience where somebody just sits down on a bucket and watches, but he sat down and watched us the whole time and didn't say anything. And I'm thinking, either he's really mad about us putting this pool down or he really thinks we're going to get him a bad job and he's watching every move we make. And when I went back to finish it up, the next day it's just me there, and he sauntered on up there and he said, so you a preacher, huh? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. I ain't never seen a preacher work out hard. <laughs> He was impressed by a preacher's work ethic and, and, and made me feel good. I said, well, we, we, we do get out and do some manual labor from time to time. You make a difference by the way that you work. People, if, you, if they know that you're a Christian, your work ethic ought to be at the top of the standards because you represent Christ in all that you do. Now let me just close with this because this might be the most important thing I'm going to say this morning. You can't do a work for Jesus until Jesus has done a work for you. These principles don't apply to people that are not yet Christians. They apply to those that, that Christ has made a difference in their life. I'm going to tell you something. Until Jesus saved me, I couldn't walk worthy. And I wasn't a good employee. I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. I wasn't a good friend. But when Jesus did a work in me, he made me where I could do a work for him. And I've wanted to live my life that way since then. So you can't do a work for Jesus until Jesus has done a work for you. So, so here's what you've got to do first. If you've not already done so, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And, and all I mean by that is that you believe in who He is, the only begotten Son of God who lived a sinless life, who died a sacrificial death, who was buried in a borrowed tomb and who rose again the third day to forgive you of your sins. 
Receive Him. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that He's the Savior. Confess that He is your Lord. And then you submit to Him as the Lord of your life. You, 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 you look for ways and means to honor Him every day that you live. You, you, especially in your relationships, you let His light shine into every crack and crevice of your life. You let it shine in your marriage. You let it shine in your home. You let it shine in the life that you have with your children. You let it shine with a family of church friends that are around you. And you let it shine at work. It'll make a difference. It'll, it'll bring influence. It'll make Jesus known in the workplace through the life that you live. As our musicians come this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Father, I'm, I'm grateful for your word. It's, it is always profitable. <coughs> the Apostle Paul told Timothy that it was profitable for correction and for reproof and for instruction in righteousness. And in, the, and in the preaching of the word, the believing and the applying of it, that, that we would have everything that we need to accomplish every good work. God, one of the things that you called us to be is very clear in your word. Paul, Paul he didn't just say it here. He said it in Colossians. Peter said essentially the same thing in his writings. There is an expectation for us on the job as an employer or as an employee to let our light shine for the world to see. We, we, we're living in a world that doesn't do that called us to a higher standard and help us to live that God I don't I don't think we understand the impact that we can make but help us to see that today Lord um, I don't know the hearts of all those that are here and I know this has not been really an evangelistic message but Lord if you hadn't done a work in me I've never been able to do a thing for you. Not one. No way that I can walk worthy without you living in me. And so God, if there's one here this morning that's lost, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior, it, it would amaze me if you'd save somebody through a message like this, but I know that you can. And so I pray you'd use this today to draw them to yourself. Today be the first day of the rest of their life that they live with you as the Lord.